0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active mint customers by 531.24. Get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. instant glam visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25 percent off impress manicure and press on falsies hey everyone it's me pippin and this week we're going to be answering some questions asked by you lovely people out there there's quite a bundle so i shall dive right into it without much preamble except to say a huge thank you to everyone who's donated to our crowdfunder so far Uh, We're already 10% funded, so yeah, and for every 10%, I will be making a cursed TikTok audio. Um, Yeah, so if you want more cursed TikTok audios, please consider donating to our crowdfunder at crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash spirit-box-radio. For £10, you can name a character in the show. For £20, you can get an advanced copy of this season two uh, official soundtrack. Um, and we have more rewards than that. There's a whole bunch of them, so check out the CrowdFunder. There's a link in the description. If you have any spare change to send our way, that would be incredible, but um, please make sure you're financially able. It's just more important to me that you are taking care of yourselves. Um, so yeah, please only donate if you're able, but if you have any spare change, every little helps, so yeah. <laughs> okay, so I've split the QA questions into two broad categories. And the first one is in-world type questions, which are all about the universe and the characters from an in-world perspective, as opposed to from a production point of view. Clue asks, Hi Pip! If M was the most powerful arcanist in the Northern Hemisphere, was that impressive or not? Like, best out of 6.4 billion people is pretty good, but is there just one baller Kiwi arcanist who is, like, best in the world, or, like, a lot of really powerful witches in the Southern Hemisphere just chilling in Patagonia or Antarctica because they don't like to be near people? So this question is super fun because I can tell you some lore. I'm not sure we'll ever make it into the show proper. But it is something that I've thought about a lot, which if I ever was to make some sort of like, I don't know, guide to arcanism type info book thing. Side note, is that a thing that you'd be interested in? It would take a while for me to put it together, like, but it's a thing I could do if enough people were interested for sure. Anyway, it is pretty impressive, but only kind of because it's all kind of a marketing thing. There's no board of arcanists that works this stuff out. You've actually sort of met the um, former most powerful arcanists in the Northern Hemisphere, that being Nagisa, who is Iranian and named in part after a Persian harpist. Like, honestly, it's a super cool story. Apparently people just, like, straight up fainted or stripped naked. This harpist was so good. It's a great bit for history. But anyway, I digress. We will be hearing from a few more powerful arcanists in season two, both Madame Marie's contemporaries and her predecessors. The designation of most powerful in, like, X our designations an arcanist might claim, but others will probably come and judge them for that, which is what Nagisai is talking about in their letter to Madame Marie, about visiting them in in the tent on the pier. It's significant that whilst there is mixed opinion of Madame Marie, the discourse is either nah, she's so powerful, or no, she's completely a fraud, with few arcanists taking a middle-of-the-road middle approach, saying, like, she's alright but not that great, which would be way more damning in a lot of ways. So, Anyway, to answer this question, there are a few people claiming to be the most powerful Arcanist in the Southern Hemisphere, and that'll come up next season a bunch. So thanks for that clue. Violet asks, more of a lighthearted question. On a scale of one to 10, how much trauma does sunshine boy Sam hold? So much, but also like in a way, the fact he can't remember his childhood is kind of a good thing. Like he doesn't remember trying to claw his way out of his bedroom stuff like that is all gone. I imagine it's quite difficult to see Others kind of holding that trauma on your behalf though. Anna sort of takes it upon herself to bear Sam's forgotten suffering for him as well as her own. Which she doesn't need to do and I think Sam probably feels quite bad about. But Sam and Anna, they have this emotionally, they, they can have these emotionally intelligent conversations. They're both hugely sensitive people and don't worry that much about being open with one another. For all of Anna's stubborn disbelief in the she's certainly not shy about making that dissent known. They can air their disagreements quite openly. How they learn to do that successfully will be talked about a little in season two. A sort of companion question to that one is this one from Sethi, who asks, "I don't have any smart questions or whatnot. I just want to know if there's any possibility of Sam getting a kiss on the forehead under therapy at some point of a part." <laughs> Please, I just want this boy to be happy, to heal and be happy. I'm going to interpret this as a question asking about general softness for the sunshine boy and yeah there will be softness i am not going to talk much about the ultimate direction of the show but when i say that this is a show with themes of grief and trauma i mean that these things these are things the show is actively working through about and addressing and a part of healing is space for softness and out of that softness comes growth i'm not a fan of shaggy dog stories and i like to tell stories that are trying to say something however successfully they end up saying it in the end I put my characters through a lot, but for me, fiction has always been a safe place through which you can work out feelings and emotions. And in the fiction I love the most, there is, at the centre of it, a kind of catharsis. I look for characters I can see myself in, things I fear about myself, things I wish were different, that kind of thing. And when I write, it's a similar, though far more active, process. I don't use my work to work through my shit, I do that on my own time, not yours. Uh, But my work is here primarily to tell a story. But part of that story is to do with catharsis and processing and growing. There will be pain in the journey, there always is. But And it might not look how you expect it to, but Spirit Box Radio is a hopeful story. Or at least, ironically, I hope it is. And yes, don't worry. The boy will receive some kiss upon him little head. Cal asks... Do you have a solid, fixed idea of how magic works in the Spirit Box Radio universe, or do you sort of make the mechanics of it work when you need them to? Okay, so I do have a really solid idea of how the magic works, but it's kind of woolly, if that makes sense. So if you think of magic systems in fiction as being hard magic versus soft magic, where hard magic has this really rigid rule set and soft magic is free form and not about strict rule sets, the magic in Spirit Box Radio is a softer magic system in some ways. Sam has started to explore the concepts for how magic in this world works already. Those are moments where they're trying to pass out what it means to be an arcanist, all that stuff. But he hasn't got very far with those concepts yet. The core ideas behind the magic in Spirit Box Radio are belief and narrative, hence the whole Just Vibes but in a Profound Way thing. There is an underpinning logic there and there are rules defining who does what and how, but it's not necessarily about like, saying the right words to make things happen. And where that does come into play, it's about words of power, they're powerful because of the way people use them, not because they have in- inherent power in and of themselves. In terms of designations of Arcana, m- my, for Minor Arcana, these are these distinctions are descriptive and don't necessarily have hard dividing lines. The only two that have come up are Ghosts and Echoes so far, and that's a sliding spectrum between Ghosts and Echoes with a character like Regular Caller Beth being closer to Ghost, the voice in the Crystal wall being closer to an Echo, and characters like Shoke All really a Mystery being somewhere between those two things, but they seem to have more autonomy beyond reflecting a speaker, but it's much more limited and they can get caught in repetitive speech patterns. It's a little bit different with Major Arcana and things like Scourge, but you'll see how all that works in Season 2. Um, Sam has a lot to learn fast in Season 2, so these ideas and concepts will be more thoroughly explored there. Isaac asks... Did you ever plan for the one who walks here and there to initially make an earlier appearance in the show, or was he always going to appear in the season finale? (laughs) Um, But he doesn't appear first in the season finale. He pops up here and there. Sometimes he speaks, once he whistles. But this will all become clearer in season two. And with that, I shall move on to the second category of question. External questions. Not about the story, but about how it's made. Milo asks... What was your favourite episode to do? I really don't know. Uh, Performance-wise, I think my favourite episode to do is the one where um, the new old window appears in the basement studio and then again up in Sam's room, and they have to run up the stairs. There's a moment where he sees himself reflected in the window and kind of goes, Damn, I look pretty cool right now, actually. And that was great to play. Extremely good fun. Writing-wise, I just love writing Sam interacting with other characters. And any time there is quipping and back and forth, I just love it. Even though it's difficult to edit down the line, I... Scenes with Sam and Ollie are, of course, incredible, especially when they're being fluffy. Uh, They're good fun. I love them. Um, Editing-wise, though, I don't know. I had a lot of fun soundscaping the episode with Ripley's writing in it. There was something really cool about approaching soundscaping with writing I hadn't done myself, so it had a little bit less baggage attached to it, if that makes sense. Cal asks... Which was the first Spirit Box Radio character to be created as such? Did you come up with Sam first or one of the others? And if Sam was first, who was the next character? This is a question with an annoyingly complicated answer. There's a bunch of characters in Spirit Box Radio who started out as reiterations of characters. I'd had in little word doodles from years ago or pulled wholesale out of works that had existed for a really long time which have now been eaten up and consumed by the world of Spirit Box Radio. In terms of the character who's closest to their original form, who keeps the same name and concept, roughly speaking, the first one I created was Maria Gillespie, uh, from that letter um, from the Doctor about the impossible child fairly early in the story. In terms of like the named, voiced, season one characters, the earliest ones were the Enfield siblings who were conceived of together, right off the bat. I love writing complicated sibling dynamics. They're all necessary for each other as characters they each bring something to a room that the others don't and once you've got the siblings you've got to think of Madame Marie who unites, divides and complicates them all. Oliver adds a different dimension to that dynamic of the three siblings and he came next kind of um, and I think of like the Enfield siblings and Oliver as the core four Tao slash SBR George asks if you could change one thing about this first season of Spirit Box Radio what would you change? Okay, so I had a different answer for this before this week. Um, But like now, I think I would use different symbolism for stuff because Algis has like associations with white supremacy. But I didn't know that Algis in particular had like specific use. And if I had known that, I would have picked something else. Anyway, back Nancy's. I will be putting some links in the description about the links between algis and white supremacy so you can kind of understand what all that is about and we will be moving away from that as central imagery in the show as much as possible moving forward but aside from that oh god okay so like i obsessively think about some of the details of the show. So there are some things that I've written into the first episode which hopefully on re-listens acquire new meanings and dimensions, and there's a lot of that in those early episodes, those moments which will hopefully bring an element of, wait, fuck, if you go back and listen to them again later in the story. Like I specifically had a list of important plot stuff I wanted to mention in episode one, so hopefully on revisiting those little details will take on new meanings, like Sam offhandedly mentioning the door, stuff like that. But for all of that obsessive detail work I managed to miss stuff like the colour of Revels' fur, the name Janet coming up twice, and a few odd bits like that. Obviously, I did the remaster, so there's a lot of stuff I did go back and change, including the mess up with Revel's fur, uh, which also complicates this question. If I could do something different, it would be like, have more experience when you start this project, which isn't something I really think is possible. (laughs) Um, I wish I was the actor I am now when I started the project, but I didn't really know what I was doing, really, at the beginning. And that shows at times, or it does to me anyway. Um, Ultimately though, and I know this is a total cop out, I have to trust that I was doing my best at the time and be proud of the version of me that was trying his best for what that looked like in those moments, even where I feel like it doesn't measure up to what my best is now. My best now won't live up to my best a year from now, or at least I hope it doesn't because if it does, I've stopped working to improve and get better. Doing the remasters was important because I felt like there were technical problems in the editing in those early episodes that were causing a barrier uh, to people who might have otherwise enjoyed the show and I wanted to fix them and I could fix them but I'm not going to make a habit of that, going back and changing stuff like that. Sometimes good enough has to be good enough, otherwise I'd keep working on the same tiny piece forever and I'd never let it go. Um, Part of the process of making is learning when to leave it alone. So yeah, ultimately nothing. (laughs) I don't think I would change it at all, except for maybe the Algis thing, or at least have like keyed that in to a more explicitly anti-white supremacist narrative, like I'd have mentioned this stuff if I had known about it at the time. To close this q and I actually have another question from Tao. Uh, this one was open to anyone on the cast who wished to answer, and it is what's one thing that you wish you could say to your character at the end of season one well tell i put your question to the gang and a few of them replied and here's what they said will would say to oliver oliver my boy my boo my florist please go to therapy and work through your trauma which is extremely valid of him to be honest yes ollie go to ph- go to therapy boy <laughs> rip would say to Ritalia, uh where you at hon you good you're alive to which i say lmao billy would say dearest scourge the fuck my guy was this really necessary and that's extremely valid of him to be honest Uh, thais would ask bliss how are you enjoying random corner of the world which yeah i hope she packed like shorts or something maybe there's a beach i don't know Um, and he would say madame marie was it really worth it and yeah big mood right there to be honest Uh, becca would say indie darling Find yourself a less toxic friend group to lead, please. But you know what? It's not their fault. Sometimes you don't choose the squad. The squad chooses you. (laughs) Alex would say, darling Anna, please take a self-care day, watch Legally Blonde, and have a bubble bath. And yes, Anna needs to chill. Maybe get a new scented candle. Tidy her space. Lay on the ground for a bit. You know would succinctly tell ingra enjoy the vacation (laughs) and somehow i feel ingra would have a bad word to say about it even if there is a beach (laughs) Uh, rose would ask mystery never thought about swimming lessons babe (laughs) Oof. Oof. (laughs) and finally i would say to sam that i'm proud of them That's all we have time for today. Faithful listeners, I will speak to you next week. And until then, stay spooky. Tune in, get spooky.